Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. Many exciting things happened over this past week, so we can't wait to dive in to this week's news. But before we begin, we have a few updates on some stories that we have previously talked about. Yeah, and we also have a personal life update. We've been really sad um, this week because oh, a year ago this week, we were at the Guggenheim your party for their young collectors. And we've been getting all of the memories on our phones and like just watching videos and looking at pictures we took last year has been really sad because we got an email from the Guggenheim this week saying it was obviously canceled. Just one more thing that has been canceled in 2020. Yeah, I think we obviously knew it was going to be canceled. We saw it coming, but seeing it on print, especially Mm -hmm. because it was one of our highlights of last year year was a little bit disappointing. Yes, but now moving on to our actual news, the Philip Gostin retrospective that has caused so much controversy due to its possible delay will be opening in May 2022. The directors of the museums that will host the exhibition announced in September that they were delaying the show possibly until 2024 amid apparent worry that Guston's depictions of hooded KKK figures and other imagery could offend viewers. Critics countered that Guston was a champion of racial equality and justice and that the delay amounted to cowardice and censorship. We're happy that they've decided on a concrete Mm -hmm. date and we're excited to see what the exhibition will be like And then obviously, similarly to what we talked about with the Jacob Lawrence exhibit at the Met, whenever a show does make the news cycle like this Mm -hmm. heavily, it always does attract a larger crowd. Yeah, I'm excited to see it in person and to see what will happen with it. And I do agree with the critics. I think it needed to happen and delaying it wouldn't have fixed anything. Yes. Shall we dive into the headlines for the week? Yes, this week, our first headline comes to us from the New York Times, where it was reported that, quote, Biden video uses artist vision to project a unified country. Biden, who now obviously is our president-elect, has launched a post-election campaign that employs Lorraine O'Grady's concept of placing people inside frames to promote images of an inclusive, diverse America. The Biden campaign approached the artist sometime in August, and two months before the election, the footage used in the two-minute video was shot, although the clip was not released until this past Saturday, shortly after the networks announced a victory for the Biden-Harris campaign. I love that this is what he chose to do and that he chose to reach out to an artist to do his first post-election video and just do one of the more general things presidents in the past have chosen because O'Grady is such an amazing artist and this campaign is obviously very fitting for the times but O'Grady launched a performance in which empty gold frames were used to frame people participating in the 1983 African American Day Parade in Harlem in 1983. So now these are preserved as photographs but the goal was to capture the image of togetherness and the joys of the community and the main idea is that people celebrating were themselves works of art. Yes and giving a little bit of background about the artist Mm -hmm. she's 86 years old and the descendant of Jamaican immigrants. She was taught Dadism and Futurism at the School of Visual Arts in New York and became known for her avant-garde conceptual work. Yes. And the video for Biden begins with Ray Charles's rendition of the song America is Beautiful and the camera scans across countryside vistas of the Philadelphia skyline before showing person after person inside of the gold frames representing diversity of America. And although the artist was not directly involved in filming the promotion, the concept is directly referenced in Biden's video as Mm -hmm. there's a character who snaps her own images of a Los Angeles neighborhood similar to what O'Grady did in Harlem. Right. And when O'Grady was asked about the project, she commented, quote, 
Biden is saying the same thing to the country that I was saying to the art world. We are a very large and diverse community and we all need to be included, which is just a beautiful message. Yeah. And as we touched upon in a previous episode, this election has encouraged so many artists to create work surrounding the election itself, but then also just the importance of voting, such, mm-hmm. such as Jenny Holzer. I think that because this election was so historical and so important, the art world really stepped up in a way that it hadn't in previous elections and previous years not only like you said before the election but also after in both sides so i like i think i saw this past week on instagram kara walker did a drawing of like kicking out trump Um, yes i saw that too so there were like lots of like humorous things but it's also like a very serious thing at the same time as we can see with this video and it's not actually expected of a newly elected president to immediately release a post-election campaign Mm -hmm. so hopefully this will encourage future candidates to really start taking inspiration and discussing with artists to help in their campaign both during and post yes and i was also so glad to see that although the artist herself was not an active participant in the project the inspiration found in her work of art is being noted um the new york times article was as much about the artist as it was about the campaign video which i really appreciate right so often there is this issue when promotional material takes Mm -hmm. inspiration from works of art about giving credit when credit is due so it was nice to see that it was heavily acknowledged where his inspiration came from the video is readily available on instagram as well as youtube so we encourage everyone to go and check it out we will include a link in our episode notes so definitely scroll down yeah it's there (laughs) yeah so our second story of the day is brought to us by art news where it was announced that quote fearing threats vatican library works with cybersecurity firm to fight off hackers the vatican apostolic library which houses the world's oldest copy of the Bible and artworks by Michelangelo, among other objects and works by Virgil, Sandro Botticelli, and many historical luminaries, is amping up its cybersecurity as threats from hackers continue apace. Yeah, so the library started a digitization project in 2012, and because of the sensitive nature of the things they own, they have started working with Dark Trace, a cybersecurity company. What is so crazy about this is that the library receives at least 100 cyber threats per month, Mm -hmm. which is why they have ultimately made this decision to hire an outside firm to protect their documents. I mean, that's more than three a day. Yeah, it's crazy. I actually have so many questions. Like, who is trying to access all of these files? Like, of course, they are a very, um, like, they're very important, but I just don't understand. Like, is it a group? Is it a person? Is it multiple groups, multiple people? Like, just so many like, questions. Where are these coming from? Yes, and how are there so many? But what is also sad is that the Vatican fears that a successful cyber attack could see the collection stolen or manipulated and although it wouldn't be as bad as a physical attack obviously it could result in the widespread production of counterfeit materials right and as of now they have only digitized about one quarter of their collection but they plan on having about 41 million pages including sketches some of the highlights are manuscripts of the aeneid by homer and the divine comedy by dante so when we're discussing the works that they have they're Mm -hmm. really major iconic works yes exactly which is why it would be so tragic if someone got their hands on the originals and started producing fake ones but dark trace actually uses artificial intelligence technology to detect unusual activity and prevent any attacks from happening so they really like attack the issue from the root and what i love so much about this headline as well is the collaboration between the art world and technology 
energy, Mm -hmm. which is a great opportunity to plug this upcoming Monday's episode where we will discuss our visit to Art Tech House. Yes. So definitely stay tuned for that. (laughs) Yes, stay tuned for that. And another thing that is so important to note is that thanks to this technology and to this collaboration between technology and art, the digitization of works has really helped during the pandemic. So events like TFAF that we talked about this past Monday could happen so that, you know, you can see works of art or like even books talking about works of art online. And I think now more than ever, as a result of COVID and various other factors, people are starting to work from home more and more. So the importance of safely having digital copies of Mm -hmm. all of these documents is more prevalent than ever before. I agree. And it's also just great to like be able to scroll through books or artworks from the comfort of your own home. Definitely. It makes it more convenient. Mm -hmm. Our third story of the day comes from Artnet news where it was reported that quote Cardi B, David Hockney, and other creative stars made artworks for an auction benefiting the families of slain black women. Usher, Jim Carrey, Bruno Mars, Marilyn Minter, and David Hockney, among many others, more than a hundred creative stars actually, have all made works in memory of black women killed by the police. The works will appear in Show Me the Signs, an exhibition and auction benefiting the women's families. This is an amazing, amazing initiative because all of the proceeds from the sale go to the hashtag say her name mother's network campaign which aims to bring awareness to the names and stories of black women and girls who have been victimized by racist police violence and they also provide support to their families what's so great about this sale is that works are very accessible in as far as price range goes yes the starting price for some of the works is only one dollar which is meant to encourage people to do more than bid it's also meant to raise awareness Mm -hmm. i think so often even during charity auctions the minimum bid is set so high that people might open it up do a quick scroll and immediately leave because Mm -hmm. they might not be able to afford it yeah and I think like part of the reason why they have celebrities like Cardi B and like Bruno Mars Billie Eilish doing these things is because it just appeals to the more general public rather than just like having these high-end artists that seem very inaccessible like you said there's definitely such a large range like when else did you see David Hockney and Billie Eilish like in the same headline (laughs) never never. um yeah so I think uh, this is very meaningful work. And the works are available online through ArtFest, which is a new community-driven contemporary art marketplace that is hosting the sale ahead of its official launch. And this obviously is so beneficial for ArtFest mm-hmm. as it's launching with not only an important initiative, but such a public one that's gaining so much traction. Yes. And the auction is happening in two parts. The first part actually started earlier this week on Tuesday, November 10th, and it will end on the 19th. And then the second part will happen from November 21st to the 30th. There's also an in-person exhibition of the works at Bloom and Poe in Los Angeles through November 14th. So to all of our listeners out Mm -hmm. in LA, if you have a chance to see the works, please do and let us know. Yes, please let us know. I love to see artists and other creatives coming together to support such an important cause because I feel like other auction houses that are more traditional don't usually are not usually as accessible like you said even in charity auctions like they don't have accessible prices or they don't really appeal to the general public so I also love just seeing these new initiatives like art fizz that fill in the gaps where traditional auction houses fall short. Could not agree more. So moving on our fourth headline is from the art newspaper which revealed that you can quote rent a sculpture from this London gallery for lockdown two points 
2.0. How cool. Yeah, it's very exciting. As a result of a second lockdown taking place in London, Pangolin London is launching a Lona lockdown sculpture scheme from now until January, which is when the London Gallery hopes to be able to reopen, although who knows <laughs> nowadays, through which it will unleash some of its sculptures from storage and offer them to clients to take home for a little bit. This initiative is compared to fostering an animal where <laughs> clients are given the works free of charge but are responsible for covering all insurance fees. I love it. When the gallery was asked if this initiative was going to be available to new clients, they responded by stating, we would certainly be open to new clients loaning sculptures and have done this previously by charging a monthly fee calculated on a percentage of the retail price of the work. Again, insurance and delivery costs would need to be covered and we would require details of where the sculpture was going to be and the security measures in place. So it sounds like they're very excited for this and like yeah. they're allow or yeah, allowing new people to be part of this. And they are familiar with it because they've done it before mm-hmm. but not free of charge. Right. So that's this new system. In a way, this is a win for both the client and the gallery as the yeah. gallery will get to reduce their storage and insurance fees during the lockdown. Obviously, so many art institutions are struggling right now that reducing these fees will be a big relief on their uh, part. For sure. And then the client also has this amazing chance or opportunity to live and really study a work of art. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the gallery has hopes that their client will love the work so much after mm-hmm. living with it that they will decide to purchase it rather than return it come January. Yes, they can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> I love this for so many reasons, though. It's a great idea for people to be able to be exposed to works of art as uh, museum and galleries are going to shut down again. So I think there is an opportunity for museums and galleries to replicate this concept, too. And perhaps they can do it with prints or copies so that people can participate no matter what their budget is. It really is an exciting concept and something that I haven't seen before. It's very interesting. I also love that this really takes redecorating during quarantine to a new (laughs) extreme. Anna and I moved in the middle of the pandemic and we were not able to buy a dining room table because all of them were back ordered. So we had two professional ones. (laughs) Yes, but I guess some people buy new pillows and other people rent sculptures but there's redecorating all around all around is it our time to rent a sculpture (laughs) i think so if anyone wants to loan us one we have empty walls (laughs) our fifth and final story comes to us from cnn where the headline reads quote it looks like a cartoon latest botched art restoration draws ridicule in spain so this is really interesting there's actually been a recent theme of bizarre art restoration attempts across Spain, and the latest has just been spotted in the northern city of Palencia. A statue on the outside of a building on the city's historic main street has been left disfigured after a mysterious restorer tried to repair its broken head. So the story actually broke thanks to a local artist who noticed the work and uploaded photos to Facebook, which, to no one's surprise, quickly gained traction online. So what was once a smiling face of a woman next to some livestock has been replaced by what people are comparing to a cartoon, a crude image of Donald Trump. I even saw a reference to the sand people from the Star Wars franchise. Yes, Um, I saw the art newspaper called it Mr. Potato Head because its eyes are like in both in different places. Its mouth is like nowhere to be found. There's really no describing it. I encourage everyone to pause the podcast and go Google this headline. You should. It's worth it. 
it's definitely worth Lots it. Lots of comical relief. But in 2012, a similar restoration faux pas occurred in the city of Borja, in which is now referenced to as a monkey Jesus. So in an incident that propelled the town into global fame, devout parishioner took it upon herself to restore an image of Jesus before it faded to nothing. So although at first this monkey Jesus was mocked, mm-hmm. that year almost 50,000 people visited the small church and they now sell their own merch with the <laughs> image of monkey Jesus, which serves as an excellent revenue stream for the church. They've even been able to develop a small museum on the site. So So, although it is very funny, they really turned the situation around. They did. Maybe there is some hope for this new statue in Palencia for the, I don't know, Mr. Potato Head. You can make really good memes. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's going to want a hat with With a botched statue. But despite the obvious humor of the situation, this is another example of the needed or the need for proper training and protection and investment in Spain because restorations are incredibly costly and time consuming and a lot more complicated than the general population assumes. Paige and I have both been to the Met Restoration Lab and it is incredible. I did not know how many years of chemistry you need to study in order to be able to restore paintings, but I do think restoration in the US is a lot more conservative and regulated. What's so amazing about the restoration wing at the Met is that you really get to see that these people are both artists on their own mm-hmm. and scientists. Yes. Because not only do you need to understand like the chemical makeup and how to properly work with materials that are thousands of years old, but you also have to be able to have an artistic side yes. to fix the actual work without it looking like a four-year-old. <laughs> or a Mr. Potato Head. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm clearly obsessed with. <laughs> so Spain's professional National Association of Conservators and Restorers started the hashtag, hashtag is not restoration, in response to what is clearly not a professional (laughs) job and rather done by an amateur, if any, art training at all. Yeah, so this is super crazy, but I'm so glad we have this headline. I know it's probably probably your favorite headline yeah, of the day. I saw the article and texted it immediately to Anna. I was like, Seven we in have the morning. to talk about this. <laughs> and I love that we did because it it is just really funny, but it is It's important. really funny. And then it also brings up the importance of preserving works of art. Yes. And it also highlights it, how much work goes into these yeah. things and how it has to be done carefully. And it will also be a story to follow because the person who did this work has still remained unknown um, yes. or anonymous. So... Maybe it'll be in our follow-up stories in the next few episodes, yes. hopefully. Um, yep, so these were our headlines for the week, but we also want to share our emerging news, which this week comes to us from the Art Newspaper, which reported that, quote, New York State sues Sotheby's for allegedly helping collector of a tax on $27 million of art. We love a little art world drama here. (laughs) We do. The lawsuit alleges that Sotheby's knowingly aided in the creation of false tax exemption certificates known as resale certificates for the collector through a British Virgin Islands company. But Sotheby's has since refuted the claims and stated that this is an issue between the taxpayer and the state. This is really bad, but at the same time, a little like comical and like ironic, but we will see what happens. Yeah, definitely a headline to follow. Mm -hmm. I think this is it for today. We don't have a Friday feature tomorrow, but if you haven't listened to our interview with Ines, it's up on our podcast. Yeah, available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mm -hmm. And then another thing, if you missed it this past week, is our IG Live Mm -hmm. with our friend Amira. Yeah, from Feminex Focus. Yes, and it's posted on her account. account. Yes. So definitely be sure to check that out. It was really fun to film and it was really fun to watch again. So we hope you enjoy it. Thank you. See you Monday. 
Bye.